Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Inside Job with your hosts, Jess and John. All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are in studio here with Brad Tunis, my buddy. And John, you have a lot of buddies. <laughs> got lots of buddies. Jess, why don't you tell our audience how amazing Brad is? Brad has quite the uh, amount of accolades here. He's very well-rounded. Brad is a highly trained hypnotherapist, certified breathwork facilitator, and mindfulness coach. He's passionate and committed to helping individuals live full and happy lives without unnecessary suffering. A certified master hypnotist by the National Guild of Hypnotists, a five-path certified hypnosis professional, and a trained MPEAK, which is Mindful Performance Enhancement Awareness and Knowledge, coach through UCSD (laughs) School of Medicine, just as John is, and Center for Mindfulness. Brad has many years of studying and practicing mindful meditation. Brad received his bachelor's in therapeutic recreation from Northwestern Missouri State University in Maryville, Missouri, as well as a master's degree in public administration with a healthcare emphasis from Roosevelt University in Chicago. As well as a certified hypnotherapist and mindfulness coach, Brad has had many years of experience working in diverse roles in pediatric and adult healthcare, both as a therapist and as an administrator. When Brad is not seeing clients, he enjoys spending time with his wife, Sarah, and their dog, Odin. Brad is an avid surfer and enjoys most all outdoor activities. He is an active participant in the mindfulness community of North County, San Diego, and continually seeks out opportunities to expand his education and skills so that he can best serve his clients and their diverse needs. Brad, welcome to the welcome. Inside Job Podcast. Brad, it's happening. Thank you buddy. very much. I don't want to do my pleasure. I don't want to do Odin a disservice. Is that how you say his name? That is Odin, God of Gods. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, little doggy Odin. <laughs> I don't think he's little. He's a big dog, isn't yeah, he? He's a big dog. Now. Yeah. yeah. What kind of dog? He's Bernie Doodle. Bernie Doodle. Bernie Doodle. Bernice Mountain Dog Poodle oh. Mix. Oh my God. Come on, John, get with he's him. He's a handful. All right, all right. Yeah, he's a handful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Brad, I think, um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, who you are and like how you got into hypnotherapy and what is hypnotherapy? Okay. Um, so as was stated in the beginning, um, my background really is in pediatric healthcare administration. And so I've spent you know, about 20 years in pediatric healthcare in various areas. Throughout that time, I was introduced to mindfulness and a meditation practice, Mm -hmm. study of the Dharma, Buddhism, um, and saw an opportunity or different opportunities to start bringing in mindfulness practices into the healthcare world for some of the providers, surgeons, nurses, people that have these positions that are really stressful when you're working with children. Right. How many years ago was that? 20 years ago that well you, not 20 years i started probably 20 years ago within the mindfulness community for them yes wow yes i don't so, think i knew that yes yeah the a person that i used to work with at children's memorial hospital in chicago i was going through a part of my life where i was something was missing mm-hmm. and i started having weekly lunches with the gentleman and mm-hmm. he started giving me books on buddhism and the buddhist path and kind of the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, more as a philosophy of moving through your life, not so much about the religious part of it, mm-hmm. but more of the spiritual aspect and the teachings okay. of Buddhism. And so I got really interested in that, and it filled a real gap in my life. And as I got more and more aware of mindfulness, I started bringing in these practices, um, 
of compassion and that for these providers of care because mm-hmm. working with kids is highly stressful and emotional. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so how did that lead into hypnotherapy? So fast forward, my interest in all of those things, we, I continued my studies with you and with one of our teachers as we moved to San Diego, became certified as mm-hmm. a mindfulness coach. Yep. A friend of ours came to visit from Denver, Colorado, and she was a school teacher there. And she came in the house and she said, well, I'm not teaching school anymore. I said, really, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm a, I'm a hypnotherapist. And so I giggled at her yeah. and laughed and you know, said, well, make me quack like a duck. And all the, <laughs> all the stupid jokes people make yeah, when right. they don't understand hypnosis. Right. Um, and she has a beautiful practice in Denver, Colorado, and she specializes in fertility. Mm. So couples having a hard time conceiving, um, she works with, with these people and was having great success. So by the course of her stay, I was just kind of over the moon about the work yeah. and, and it, it is related to mindfulness and, mm-hmm. and the mind body connection yeah. deeply. And so by the time she left, I kind of dove in, I read every book I could get my hands on. And then I started researching whom I thought were some of the best teachers in the country that mm-hmm. maybe I could get certified through. Yeah. And so I went up to Bellingham, Washington and worked under a woman named Erica Flint and studied total about two years under her uh-huh. through the certification program and a mentorship. Okay. And you voila, lived up there? I would go up there for a couple of weeks at a time, okay. come back, do my work yeah. that I could do here and then go do right. hands-on training with okay. her. Wow. And then continued under a mentor program. Okay. Brad, I have a question for you outside of the fertility aspect that she spoke with you about. What was the what was the intrigue? Why hypnotherapy if you were already involved in mindfulness? What was it about that specifically that made you want to get involved? That the mind is so powerful that it can influence the body and the mm-hmm. physiologi- physiological functions of the body. That for me it was kind of a light bulb going on of the power of the mind. We spend so much time focused on our bodies. This doesn't feel well. This isn't right. This isn't working well. Many more times than we recognize, there's something, it's the way we perceive it or the way that we're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, wow, this is it. If I can help people change their minds, they can change themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that became a big passion for me. I saw it as nothing separate or different than mindfulness i saw it as an addition mm-hmm. which is tool. how i run my practice today uh-huh okay i like that he said that just now you said that just now brad because i i teach right now at a high school and when i was differentiating between the physiological versus psychological addictions that certain drugs elicit one of my students raised their hand and said Mishir, is there a difference between the brain and the body the brain is a part of the body and i said that's a beautiful nuanced you know situation that you just brought up you're absolutely right there's not really much of a difference we tend to separate them to understand them more but they operate so um, synergistically they are one in the same mm. and in that that awareness as i started studying hypnosis was really kind of drove me to continuing because i'll be honest with you when i jumped in on this thing i had my wife's support because i've always been interested in neuroscience and the brain and meditation and the science of meditation and what is it doing and how does the brain change and 
those types of things, she really kind of pushed me to explore it. Well, when I jumped in and made the financial and mm-hmm. personal investment into it, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. It wasn't this grandiose plan to start right. a private practice. It was like, well, maybe I'll learn a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be able to make John quack like a duck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do that off the podcast, John. No. <laughs> so in terms of, oh no, Donald. So in terms of hypnotherapy, obviously it's very interlinked with mindfulness, mm-hmm. but what aspects would you say are the biggest, or rather, what are the biggest benefits from hypnotherapy that kind of separate it from mindfulness on its own? So if we think of mindfulness and meditation as a practice, to increase focus and resiliency of the mind. Hypnosis is more of a guided journey into that state mm-hmm. where you can let go of the practice and allow me to move you into that state. And it's interesting you asked me that because when I decided to go ahead and study hypnotherapy, I had never formally been hypnotized. I, I kind of mm-hmm. didn't know what I was getting into. And right. so one of the things that I did is I went to a couple of people here in San Diego, a couple different practitioners and paid. And, and I said, well, I, I want to be hypnotized. And they said, well, what do you want to be hypnotized for? And I said, well, I don't know. I just yeah. want to experience it. <laughs> I'm sure I got plenty of problems you can yeah, help me with, right. but I don't really want to deal with them right now. Yeah. <laughs> just hypnotize me. <laughs> Which was frustrating for them. If somebody walked into my office and said, I just want to experience hypnosis, I'd be like, this sounds like fun. Let's do this. Um, When I found the person that really, it really landed with me, it was a woman in North Park. She counted me out and I looked at her and I said, oh, I get it. It's like day three of a silent meditation retreat. Now, what took me three days of a meditation retreat to get there she guided me to in 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what really connected the dots. Straight to the point. Okay, to so the... who who would who would see you? Why would someone see you? People come to me for all kinds of things. Now, I like to think I'm much more on the clinical side of things. I'm very interested, because when you look at hypnotherapy, there's things that come up about past lives and all of these other types of things that may have being in this work I don't not believe I don't know you know I don't are there past lives well maybe maybe not it's just not where my work is focused I often say isn't this one tough enough <laughs> we focus on this one Fair enough. <laughs> I like that um, so people a lot of people come to me you know, I do some addiction work. I do some contract work in an addiction center. So people come to me for addictions, which would include eating. Um, I do get some smoking sensation, cessation clients. Um, anxiety. People who are suffering the effects of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- people who just feel stuck. Mm-hmm. There's something else. And they're not tapping into their creative mind or not using their own resources to move through the resistance that they're feeling in their life. Mm -hmm. My belief is that anybody that walks through my door is fully armed with the resources to make the changes or have what they want. Mm -hmm. 
they're just not using those resources effectively. Mm-hmm. And so my job really is is to tap into the deeper part of them of their mind for them for them to tap into the deeper part of their mind. Mm-hmm to utilize those resources that are already within them mm-hmm. to start making the changes they want. You're just showing them the way. I'm, How to be I'm guiding them in there using their own background, their own history mm-hmm. to show them in this state of awareness of new awareness through hypnosis as the vehicle and remind them of all the times they've used their inner strengths. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is, really connecting with the client, learning about the client, mm-hmm. so that I have an idea of the things that they've done in their lives so I can almost pull to the front of their awareness, you've done this before, mm-hmm. and we're just going to do it again. Right. And they remember being in it. So, like, like to, to, to demystify any of this, like you see in the movies, you know, tick, 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 you know, now you're like, oh, where was I? And, you know, I woke up like that. So they'll they'll have memory of this. They'll have you know how, how does that look so people go into different levels of hypnosis mm-hmm. um, Wait, so is it depending on you taking them or them allowing themselves to get there by surrendering to the process both uh-huh so I can more deeply guide somebody into a state so if we were going to do something like a regression regressing back to an old feeling mm-hmm. walk us through we need to be in a really deep level of hypnosis. So what all I'm really doing is playing with the brainwave states. Mm-hmm. We're lowering those brainwave states that I believe will be the most effective state for us to achieve the work that we need to do. Which is what? Which the like theta, beta, alpha, or like which one are you going for? Theta. Mm-hmm. Middle of theta, being careful not to drop into delta. Now, there are times that some it's like a roller coaster. Uh-huh. People will go into deeper parts and then maybe we'll be discussing or approaching something that's kind of energetically charging for them. And they'll naturally kind of become mm-hmm. more aware because it's yeah. n- now we've got body sensations mm-hmm. and we've got other things happening within the, the unit of the being that's bringing them up. And then they'll slip back down. I tell people, it's okay if you lose my words. I'm not talking to your conscious mind. Yes. Our subconscious or unconscious mind is taking in information from the day that we were put out into this planet. Mm -hmm. And if you, maybe an oversimplified way of saying it, if you think of it as when we're born, we're this clean blank slate. And from that moment forward, our view of reality starts to become colored based upon our past experiences and learnings. Mm And so when you move somebody through that, you want to make sure that you're utilizing the state, the depth state that's going to give us the best, that's going to, that we're going to achieve the work that they're going for. Mm-hmm. There are some things you can do with phobias, fears, things like that, where they don't need to be in a very deep state of hypnosis at all because deep visualization or imagining is a state of hypnosis just as if you've ever gotten emotional during a movie Mm -hmm. well why would you get emotional at pixels on a screen because you've allowed yourself to enter in to a different reality Mm -hmm. you weren't watching the movie you were a part of the movie and that is very much a hypnotic state Mm -hmm. so we all go in through it 
So, Brad, walk us through the process. If I were to come in to see you, what would the, you know, the initial consult to the end of our session look like? I just want someone to understand how that process looks. So, the way I do it, um, the first time you come to see me, as I tell everyone, 99.9% of people will go into hypnosis faster and deeper on their second time around. There is a resistance the mind is going to give us. You know, people come into me all the time and say, I'm so open to this. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I say, that, okay, but we're going, to, we're going to encounter some resistance that the mind is naturally going to give us. Once we work through that resistance and they come in for a second session, mm-hmm. it goes real smooth. And they yeah. tend to go a little bit deeper, which mm-hmm. is maybe some of the work we need to do. We need to have them deeper there. Mm-hmm. So my first session very much looks like a lot of talking. The, the the first session is 45 minutes of understanding the client's goals. What are they looking to get out of our sessions? How can we know if we're making progress? A little bit about their history, their background, any past mislearnings or traumas that might be feeding into this that mm-hmm. we may or may not need to deal with. Yeah. And then I give them an experience of hypnosis, which is usually more of an insight-orientated, metaphorical journey. I'll have them imagine, you know, a tree in the fall mm-hmm. and the leaves falling and now an opportunity for new growth and these types of things where I'm driving it, but I don't really know what's going to come up for them. Right. That we allow that client mm-hmm. to, come in, to come to those insights. And then we work from there. Yeah. So after the session is complete, is there further coaching until the next session of like, hey, this came up, let's take these action steps or like a full service? I mean, if that's the best way to say that or not. That is the way very much that I run my practice. Mm -hmm. And so when people come to see me, they say, well, you know, you're a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Yeah. They have, a, they have an expectation. Right. And I, of course, I want to meet those expectations, but I'm very clear that this is how I work. Mm-hmm. We do mindfulness coaching for the conscious part of the mind. Mm-hmm. We do hypnosis and trance work. Two words are interchangeable. I like trance because hypnosis sometimes mm-hmm. brings on all these... Myths. <laughs> yeah. All these myths and yeah. misconceptions about what it actually mm-hmm. is. And then breath work for as a key to your autonomic nervous system Mm -hmm. and i feel like that gives me the best approach to help someone move through whatever it is they're experiencing with a little bit of control and tools day one Mm -hmm. be aware of your thoughts Mm -hmm. check your storyline mindfulness we save the trance work for some of the deeper insights Mm -hmm. And I do a brief breath evaluation on everyone because a lot of the times I'll have people come in and anxiety is a big one, especially since COVID and all of these things. And I'll say, you know, if I was just, if we were just friends sitting here and I noticed you're feeling a little anxious, could you just take a deep breath for me? And I literally watched them breathe Mm -hmm. because a lot of my clients, and this is true for a lot of people that suffer anxiety, start to hold their breath mm-hmm. or they shallow their breathing yeah and when you hold your breath and you shallow your breathing co2 starts to build in the system as co2 starts to build in the system it triggers a little mechanism in the brain called the chemoreceptor that sends another arrow of anxiety and panic straight india mm-hmm. we can get a, a long way just with some of these practical tools that people can then go utilize in between our sessions yeah yeah, we, I, I teach a lot around, I mean, I'm not a breathwork guy like yourself, but 
I mean, we, we give these tools with, you know, the, the athletes that we work with and the firefighters and cops and everybody that, I mean, just a simple, we call it a tactical breath, just four in, six out, activating that parasympathetic nervous system to just slow it all down. And we can do that anytime, anywhere, any place. So that's the beauty of that. And just to clarify, just for those with the, with the autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic is your rest and digest, right? Your sense of yes. relaxation and versus the contrary sympathetic, you know, stress. fear, threatening stimuli, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so in this in the trance-like state, once you've had the initial conversation or consult, maybe on your second session, how long is optimal for this trance-like state? I find 20 to 45 minutes, depending upon what we're working on. Some of it becomes, it's not always just me talking to the person. Actually, that's can be really helpful in a lot of ways, but where a lot of the deeper work goes is you can talk in hypnosis. I'll a- ask you questions, mm-hmm. um, all yes, no answers. How old are you? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Those types of things. So people can respond and do respond in hypnosis, and that's where a lot of insight really comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I always tell my clients, you know, it's as much as I can, I'll allow you to have this conversation. If say it's a conversation with yourself, mm-hmm. self love, and what do you need to hear right now? Mm-hmm. And I'll allow them to have that conversation in their own mind. Mm-hmm. It's none of my business, right? And I want people to be as open as they can. Sometimes you get asked somebody to, you know, and there are, there are different therapists, him and therapists that might do this, and you ask them to talk out loud. When they start to shut down, no, I don't want them to shut down. This is a space. This is a safe space for you to let it go. Mm-hmm. Let's let it go. Mm-hmm. And however you need to do that will be effective. Right. You, uh, so I have used Brad for my nonprofit. I'll send first responders to Brad. And I would say that, well, 100% of the time. <laughs> uh, no, all everyone that, that I've sent over there, they've just loved it. And they're like, how do we do more sessions? How do we get more sessions? And so um, so thank you, Brad, for doing that. I mean, because you've done amazing work with those guys. And because and, I'll, I'll teach them, you know, the mindfulness portion of that. And then you can dig deeper into the, the work that you do. And, and then now, um, you know, the breath is on top of everything else. So... Um, which is good. And, you know, so, I mean, that just goes to show, like, I mean, no matter what it is, whether it's around addiction or PTS or whatever your rep, you know, your ailment is that how powerful the mind is that you can guide them in there. And, you know, it's and I, I think that's interesting. The PTSD talk and the kind of the trauma work, I was highly trained in trauma work. Mm-hmm. Now I was trained through a mode of regression, regress to cause, um, I I call those my big guns. Mm-hmm. We only pull them out if we need to. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I think it's always helpful to take somebody back through their past experiences when it's really not necessary. What mm-hmm. we need to do is we need to move forward. Right. That said, that. the neuroscience <clears throat> is leading to if it's a real trauma. We need to do. We need to be exposed to the trauma. And the wonderful thing about hypnosis is, you don't only just need to be exposed to the trauma. You need to be exposed to the trauma, but this time with a sense of control. 
And hypnosis mm -hmm. gives people their control back. So they're almost viewing the experience as if it's a movie. They're in my office, very relaxed, mm -hmm. very calm. My voice is going with them. I'm keeping them safe. I'm reminding them that they're safe. And they can experience this from a safe place with mm -hmm. a sense of control. And that is the sweet spot for deep trauma. Are you thinking of, like, is this like an acute trauma? Or this is like, could be, like for myself, 20 years in the fire service, lots of trauma. Um, you know, are, are you going through the calls that may like bubble up for me in particularly? Or like it could be... You know, for a citizen or whatever, I was in a car accident, it was really horrible, or just take them through that. I would say something that's still impacting you today. Mm -hmm. it, okay. I, it, there's yeah. no need to go fishing. Right. If nothing's bothering you, right. you've seen a lot of terrible things in your life. Yeah. But if you're moving through fairly resilient and unaffected by it, there's no need for us to go fishing for it. Yeah. Now, that said, if you came to me for a trauma that mm -hmm. was uh, impacting your life, yeah. there is a good chance that by creating some new awareness and new insight into that one experience, we would lift some of the energetic charge of some of those other experiences because you would almost take your new insight and awareness and be able to apply them mm -hmm. to other areas of your life. And I use this, the analogy of kind of the the hot air balloon you know my office is in Encinitas and the hot air balloons in the summertime take off across the street and I watch them and they're held down by sandbags mm -hmm. well you cut the biggest sandbag away holding this balloon down and this is the person and their traumas mm -hmm. that balloon starts to shake in the wind and start to tug on the other lines and it starts to tug it starts snapping the other lines mm -hmm. until eventually that balloon just floats away free you're free love that analogy <clears throat> yeah and I'm, I'm glad you were hitting on this naturally because I was doing a lot of research with hypnotherapy considering I knew absolutely nothing about it before we just started speaking with you. <laughs> I don't think most people go to hypnotherapy as their conventional form of uh, treatment. As we spoke, uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody comes to a hypnotherapist as their first line of defense, only when they've tried everything else. Right. Poor, poor Brad. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I was going to ask you how hypnosis evokes behavioral change, but you kind of just answer that naturally. And it's through an awareness right but having awareness isn't always enough how do you get people to actually act once that awareness exists i mean that's on them i understand that but take action like, yeah uh -huh. and i do a lot of that i mean um i'm gonna one of the so i am a student one of the things that i do that i think makes my practice unique is oh, i work hard and if I'm not seeing clients, I'm studying. Who, re who wrote a book? Who's got a podcast? And what's really exciting for the field of hypnotherapy is that Dr. David Spiegel up at Stanford has been both on Andrew Huberman and Rich Roll, and he's one of the mm. brightest minds in hypnotherapy alive right now. And the fact that he's gaining this traction on those podcasts are, are really exciting, and I align myself with his style of his style of work very mm -hmm. clinical and kind of debunking all the myths and the mysticism around it it's really we're empowering people to use their own mind and hypnosis is nothing more than the vehicle mm -hmm. so speaking of myths what are the biggest myths that you hear or people's biggest apprehensions as they come to see you that you debunk immediately 
that I can make them do something that they are giving up control mm-hmm. that I can make them quack like a duck or and I joke <laughs> and I keep it light I joke with people about this you know on right. every first session I say no I can't make you say or do anything you don't want to do I can't make you quack like a duck you won't give me your credit card numbers if I ask for them <laughs> you know that's at the end of the session that's at the <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's um I think in is a general statement it's that they're going to lose some type of control. Okay. The other thing that comes up a lot is they think that they're going to remember something that they don't want to remember, mm-hmm. which See, is always I, very I interesting to me. I will tell you when I do regression work with someone and everyone will come into my office and remember I I hold this for only when necessary, but a deep-seated problem that's really, really impacting someone, and we just haven't quite got to it. Maybe they're getting some relief, but they're not getting that full relief, and I'll say, okay, we need to dig a little deeper into this. And what we'll do is it's, it's regressing back to the first time you felt that way. What is this feeling you carry with you that's holding you back in your life? And I want us to go back to the very first time you ever felt that way. People are really scared what might come up. Mm -hmm. Not only that, they also have an idea of what they think that is. And it is never what they think it is. Hmm. It is, I wore goofy shoes to school one day and my teacher ridiculed me in front of the class. It was not this big, quote unquote, traumatic event that they thought it was going to be. And the difference here, and I think this is really important to distinguish, trauma is getting tossed around. The word is getting tossed around so much right now. Right. We are all traumatized. This is life. Right. Trauma isn't the act that happened to you. It's the way you perceived it. And so you could see as a six-year-old, if you were ridiculed in front of the class, in front of your teacher... And made to feel like you weren't worth anything or weren't or were stupid. That because was Sister you Rose to me. <laughs> she trauma most of your traumas probably <laughs> reside with her. <laughs> but you can see what an imprint that would make on on somebody. And in people, especially when we're children, and I will tell you that when we were do regression work, I really won't stop until probably before the age of seven years old Mm -hmm. because that's when we don't quite yet have that frontal lobe awareness to make sense of the world so our subconscious and unconscious mind is just almost taking everything as fact so these limiting beliefs that have been wired we need to pull the energetic charge out of them i mean if we were going to get into the weeds here you can't actually undo a neural pathway what you do is you create stronger new ones over the top of those old mm. existing ones. How long does that take? I mean, it can happen in one session. Mm. It's powerful. Hypnosis is incredibly powerful. And when done well, can be incredibly powerful for people. Mm. Now, I can't make someone change that doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing. The work is yours. And when a hashtag on my Instagram that comes up a lot is, it's not magic, it's work. There is no magic. You Mm -hmm. still have to do the work. Yeah. 
People uh, don't like hearing that, though. Yeah, they want the quick fix, Brad. Mm-hmm. And because they're coming to me as the last option, <laughs> I'm fortunate in that way that people are they're a little more open to do the work now. Fair. They've already, they've already avoided the work for long enough. Yeah. The way I explain it to my clients is that, I, and I say to them exactly this, I say, the way I see you is you're like a boulder on the plateau of a mountaintop. And my only job is to push you over the side. Because once momentum's moving for you, mm-hmm. those changes are just going to happen. Yeah. And you're going to make them. That's your work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, bro, we, I'm, some, from what I've understood so far, having an intention coming with to you, right, is a big part of it. For people who suffer with severe mental illness and feel that they could benefit from hypnotherapy, would you advise against that? Is there anyone who should not see you, people who have severe mental illness like... I don't know, dissociative identity disorder, bipolar, or schizophrenia, so forth? Yeah, there's some contraindications for some of those things. Okay. Because sometimes when you have a, a mental disorder of that severity, your awareness of what's reality and non-reality is already kind of skewed. Mm. It's almost like, it's not, I don't want to say it's dangerous or not dangerous, I just don't think it would be very effective. Okay. Uh, the other one is, um, you know, an IQ over 70. Again, this is a, we are deepening your awareness. One of the things that I've kind of coined and that, that I like is that what we're doing in my office is we're creating a more intimate relationship with you. Right. And if you don't have that baseline ability to be aware of the quote unquote you, it's going to be really hard to make any of those changes because the insights we're working with the we're, I just don't know how effective it would be Do you, mm-hmm. because the, 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 the ability to see what's yeah. happening versus what's not happening and how it's impacting it. your life there needs to be at least an awareness of there's a problem. Right. right. If you're not aware of there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What are we doing here? Now, that said, I have successfully done some work with people who are medicated and stable. And it has turned out to be pretty darn effective. And so for th- and that was a leap of faith and something I was very honest with on the clients and said, this is what the science says. But the way I read this in our first conversation is, I think this could be helpful. Mm. If you're willing to take that, I'm going to give you everything I got. And if you're willing to try, let's let's give it a go. Right. Something that they come off the meds afterwards over time, or it's just those meds allow them to heal some other underlying issue that's going on? So just to put it out there to protect myself <laughs> i am not a doctor i'm not a physician and so i tell nobody what they should do with their meds i direct them directly back to their physician or their psychiatrist gotcha. and i get yep. a lot of referrals from physicians and mm-hmm. psychiatrists in part because i am so careful about that mm-hmm. now anxiety meds things like this that have people are kind of taking because somebody mm-hmm. gave them to them yeah I've had clients who've worked with their physician that have decided to go off of their meds okay. because they now have a new understanding and some new tools that they manage their anxiety just fine. Mm-hmm. Anxiety comes up when we're 
and this is kind of a mindful slant, but anxiety comes up when we start believing all of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I tell clients, and I think it's one of the, I almost feel guilty because I really believe that a lot of the work is in the simple statement of stop believing everything you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you do that, there's a real freedom in that. <laughs> there is. And that's, I think that's a good message to the audience, even though it was a slam that I, I think everyone needs to hear that again, right? Louder for the people in the back. But I, another question with the medication that you brought up, what I was curious about, I don't, I don't know if this is too specific, but people who are on SSRIs for depression, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, just making that clear. Do you think being actively on that medication while they're, while you're doing hypnotherapy with them is counterproductive? No. Okay. No. As a matter of fact, if somebody came to me and said, I want to get off these drugs, and I get a lot of this, mm-hmm. they don't want to be on them anymore. Maybe there's side effects that they're not so great. We start our work on them, and then they can, or I'm happy to talk to their psychiatrist or their doctor and collaborate and let them mm-hmm. know the work that we're doing. That's a decision they can make with their physician. But is them being on them a problem to do the work? No, it's actually great. Okay. Let's start there. Okay. And then you can work with your physician to slowly start backing off. Because mm-hmm. there's titration and all kinds of right. things you need to do with that. That. Right. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. That, that was perfect. I just wasn't sure if the you know their brain chemistry being altered was going to affect the session with you. No. Okay. How about side effects, Brad? How about anything that comes up? I mean, you talked a little bit about the contraindications of certain people, but... Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> this is one of the beautiful things about hypnosis. Hypnosis mm-hmm. is, and I think Dr. Huberman has this uh, NSDR, non-sleep deep rest. Mm-hmm. Hypnosis is a state of non-sleep deep rest. It, by definition is nothing more than a heightened state of relaxation, mm-hmm. focus, and absorption. Any, there, there are no side effects that they've come up with or that I can be aware of. I okay. mean, I guess this the one side effect, if I'm really trying to cover myself here, like <laughs> maybe you do have a realization or a thought that something happened that didn't happen, although mm-hmm. I'm really <clears throat> very aware of that as well. Yeah. Can you... So hypno has to, hypnotherapy has to be done with a, like you can't do it yourself. Oh, no, absolutely. You, you absolutely can. You can. You can, and I teach a lot of my clients self-hypnosis. Mm. This is timely because we just talked about non-sleep deep rest. So Dr. Milton Erickson, who's kind of the godfather of hypnotherapy, has a quote that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Because remember, this is a state of allowing. Mm-hmm. You can lay down in my recliner or close your eyes and pretend like you're listening to my directions and be thinking to yourself, well, this guy's a quack. I'm not going to listen to anything he's got to say. <laughs> and you won't go into hypnosis. It's easily preventable. Mm-hmm. So it is a state of allowing. And like a meditation practice, the more a person does hypnosis, the more easily they'll be able to slide into that trance state. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is a naturally occurring state we all go into anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether we're driving, watching a movie, anytime we're fully engrossed in something, it is not far off of deep meditation, 
flow state. These are intertwining. Okay. They are not separate. And a lot of, for a long time, this drove me nuts. You ask a hypnotherapist or a hypnotist. So hypnosis is like meditation. Oh, no, no, it's completely different. You ask a strict meditation teacher. So hypnosis and meditation, kind of the same thing. Oh, no, completely different. Malarkey. There was actually... They, are they different? Yes. But they're different in their intention. Mm-hmm. They are both a state of relaxation. They're both a state of focus. And they're both tapping into and creating an ability for more for more accessibility to the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Think of a guided meditation on gratitude. That's hypnosis. Mm-hmm. You go into that relaxed, focused state about giving gratitude. You are reprogramming your mind to be more grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a great book by um, he's local part of the time out of the year. Doctor Michael Yapkow wrote a book not that a couple years ago and literally deconstructed uh, a hypnotherapy script and a guided mindfulness meditation script and kind of pointed out in the mindfulness meditation script all the hypno components that we use in this script where they show up in a guided meditation script Mm -hmm. so guided meditation is probably the closest thing to hypnotherapy now if you're doing an open awareness meditation that's a little bit different and Mm -hmm. your intention's a little bit different Mm -hmm. hypnosis is usually with a very specific purpose in mind okay does that make sense yeah well for me (laughs) brad i have a a question i feel like it challenges something you said because i'm curious as to how they're both in the same boat you mentioned how this non-sleep deep rest you can compare to other things of being in a trance-like state when you're driving and watching a movie and such but you mentioned flow state a lot of people can enter things like flow state while they're doing you know um like what's really like grappling's really big right now jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. so people enter a flow state and you know whether that's their passion it's um a mindful or mindless right thing they're doing how is that similar to non-sleep deep rest if they're actively physiologically engaged? Because when you're in a when you're in a flow state, you're not thinking. You're not consciously using that conscious part of your mind. Mm. You are tapping into that deeper programming of what you need to do in a grappling state. And I guess I can back up a little bit. Not Every time you go into hypnosis, it's not always the most relaxing thing, especially if we're talking about an old trauma or something really charging. So it becomes more about the state of mind. Okay. Now, I'm in no way claiming they're the same thing. Got it. But they are closely related. And all I'm saying is is to separate them is doing a disservice to all of them. Well said. That's what I was wondering. And you're, and you're right. That's a good reminder, too, for flow state is it become you turn off right and it becomes automatic you're not thinking about the next move you're not thinking about the next foot in front of the other you're just doing um brad since most of my listeners know that i don't drink anymore and i put that behind me but i know you do see people and you work with people like with addiction and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so how how does that work like i could come to you and say brad i love beer (laughs) (laughs) i want to stop drinking it but i suppose i have to be wanting to be willing to stop which we've already talked about um 
but uh, like how, do, how does that look? I mean, is that something you can walk me through of like people that are having a hard time with me? It could be food or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it is. Yeah, any addiction. Mm-hmm. First of all, you've said it. You have to really want to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, knowing that when we go into the state of hypnosis, the mind is more receptive and open to seeing things in a new light. Mm-hmm. Many people who try and overcome an addiction, well, I don't, I can't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't smoke anymore. Yeah. I can't bleh, fill right. in the blank anymore. Right. I would argue the approach is the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's like the, and Dr. Spiegel talked about this on one of his things. When you tell somebody not to think about something, the first thing they do is think about it. <laughs> don't drink a beer first thing you think about is drinking a beer Mm -hmm. it's not don't drink a beer it's understanding what the you're putting this poison into your body so if I approached it with you more from the standpoint of John let's let's review all the ways this is impacting your life negatively Mm -hmm. and you continue to ingest this poison that's slowly breaking you down day after day you're moving away from the man you want to be, not towards. Well, that's a whole different way of looking at it than don't drink a beer. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're a good hypnotherapist, in my opinion. There's a lot of craft, a lot of time, and a lot of art. And one mm-hmm. thing I explain to my clients is my work isn't us sitting in here for an hour and 15 minutes. It's thinking about and crafting how am I going to approach your brain? Mm-hmm. How am I gonna make this land with you? Yeah, nobody's gonna wants to hear "Don't smoke, don't right. drink." <laughs> like, don't tell me what to do. That is bad for you. <laughs> that is bad for you. <laughs> so it's really tapping into mm-hmm. what they've already brought to me and how it's not serving them anymore. Yeah. And then I feed that back to them, mm-hmm. and I allow them to visualize that and see that. Mm-hmm. The other important thing that is really valuable in hypnosis and visualization every great athlete and mm-hmm. does it visualization in hypnosis on that very deep focused state is even more powerful mm-hmm. and there's been some studies lately that have come out more and more that even outside of hypnosis just spending time focused on how you want your day to go how you want this event to go how you want these things to go right the dominoes are much more likely to fall Right. In that direction. Mm-hmm. So throw hypnosis into it, and we just energize it and give mm-hmm. it more power mm. for the person. Love it. Well said. I, I like that you it, – it's a straightforward answer, but not really. I think people want the quick fix, right? Yeah. It's going to rewire your brain so you're not addicted, and that's not how that works. The brain does not work that way. You have to want to do the work, and I think that's a really big theme here with – not just in hypnosis and hypnotherapy yeah. with life in general mm-hmm. it has to be you taking initiative and having agency over your own actions yeah, like someone yeah exactly because someone if they're not open if they've never thought they don't even know they can have that new thought right of like oh shit this is poison and it is taking away from who i want to be but they're not able to see that you're essentially opening that door for them and saying hey this you is can the live a life like this. This is the white knuckle effect when people try and stop doing something. I'm like, I don't know how much that's gonna help. Mm-hmm. Like, it might get you a couple weeks under your belt, yeah. a month under your belt, but at a certain point, you're gonna fold. You need to view it differently. Right. You are imprisoned. 
Yes. You're, we're not we're not preventing you from having something. We're freeing you from the prison that you've been bound to by it. Boom. That's it. <laughs> kind of along along those lines to being bound, like by our egos. I was curious as to whether hypnotherapy elicits any of the same benefits as plant medicine in terms of something like ego dissolution. I think when you give people the so one of the things that we talked about earlier is that this disassociative perspective when you allow a person to step back and view themselves from the outside the short answer is yes more work involved though <laughs> always <laughs> when you allow somebody to see themselves from a disassociated perspective and how the ego isn't serving them or or maybe what part of their them is too loud or not stepping up they're more able to make the changes that they need to make because they have a clear view of it mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah absolutely and i think the same thing happens in plant medicine and i have a bit of experience with this is the dissolving plant medicine i like to say and I'm sure somebody could else could come on this podcast and say that guy was full of it. So this is my theory. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the beauty in the plant medicine movement is the dissolution of ego. It is this 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 construct of this sense of I me self that plant medicine has a really neat way of breaking down. But it, you break it down because it allows you to see from almost a disassociated perspective that part of me that's being too loud or not stepping up and taking some level mm-hmm. of control that it should hypnosis can do that too mm-hmm. well said way to tie that all together nice brad we want to know your biggest success story i'm oh, sure wow. there's one in particular there is i've got and it's neat because the i knew you were going to ask me this <laughs> why, why <laughs> and i started we? going through the <laughs> the category of clients and uh-huh. and there are so many and they look so different because what is a big success to you mm-hmm. from the outside to this person mm. was huge because it was something they never thought they were going to overcome mm. um but yes i have worked with one person and mainly because they want to not because they need to um for a couple years running and and it's not weekly it's it's monthly and it's Mm -hmm. turned into a little bit of a coaching session in that Mm -hmm. too but this person had such intrusive thoughts they could not function in the world Mm. literally could not get through a day because they felt that they were bound by these intrusive thoughts so we started with some rapid fire hypnosis a little regression i mean pulling everything yeah, out the big here. Ends. The, we, we were go, we were getting after it and pretty quickly we started to see shifts mm-hmm. shift and, and i jokingly call hypnosis shift work because it's kind of like not to digress but it's like when you wake up in the morning one morning and your knee hurts and you're mm-hmm. like oh my goodness my knee hurts and then you wake up the second morning and you're like oh this knee thing is still there. You wake up the third morning. Oh my goodness! Did I tear something? I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to have the surgery. I'm not gonna be able to go on that trip. Yada yada yada. Wake up on the fourth morning. Get halfway through your day and you go, huh, 
my knee doesn't hurt. We are wired to look for threats. Mm -hmm. So the reason I call it shift work is sometimes the people that come see me that they want to move past don't even recognize they move past it until I have to point it out to them. Mm -hmm. So this happened with this particular client. Mm -hmm. And then through further work and some mindfulness work and being more aware of those thoughts and seeing those thoughts as something that naturally occurs, holding them with an open hand, not not pushing them away, not trying to hold on to them. And, and we can compound a lot of mindfulness in hypnosis. It's one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. is, is compounding that watching the thoughts as leaves floating down a stream. This particular person has made a 360 degree, one of the highest functioning people I know. I am so wow. proud. of this person and obviously for confidentiality reasons I kind of have to talk vague but I've seen this person change to completely different that I get letters from family members that say I can't believe what you've done with this person that's awesome they look different Mm -hmm. and that's the first thing that tends to happen I think when I'm working with people is um, the person that works our front desk I'll have a client come in, session one, and in about session three, or, I'll know it's going good if it's session three or four, the person, the, the client will leave after the third or fourth session, the front desk person will come back to me and go, was that so-and-so? Yeah. And I go, yeah. And I'm like, they look amazing. <laughs> it's a physical change that almost happens hmm. first. It's like complexion and posture. Posture, everything. It's yeah. it's really beautiful thing to see and to be a part of. And wow. so that's a good example from the inside out. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Totally. Hundred percent. All right. Last question. Brad, we ask every guest this as the last question. We want to know how do you live zesty? And we define zesty as having that spark for life. Ah. it is a thinker i will tell you outside of the activities that i love to do i love to surf i've in the last few years i'm almost embarrassed to say it but i started cycling and gravel riding because i said i never would um (laughs) all of you out there come on yeah um sharing the lane with you yeah Well, I've gotten off the road more lately and done the gravel bike thing. But doing the things that I'm really passionate about, being outdoors, I just came back on a big backpacking trip with my wife. The natural world, to me, really represents this sort of higher power and this, if you were going to, you call it God, you can call it whatever you want, is the thing that is just awe-inspiring to me. And when we are a part humans are a part not separate from the natural world and to be able to tap into that in my own personal experiences and through the work that i do i feel like i've scored on this second act of my life as i've moved into this career it's i'm living my passion i'm working my passion and to be able to live i don't want to just i want to walk the walk Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I try and do that. Everything we've spoke about today, I practice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not telling people to do these things. I'm doing them myself. Yeah. And part of that is, is playing and just having fun and really enjoying the time today. 
yeah. right now. Yeah. So I love that. That's Beautiful, awesome, Brad. Brad. That was all encompassing. That was good. So we're gonna have Brad back shortly with Reese from Our Breath Collective. Brad is also a uh, breathwork facilitator for Our Breath Collective, and so we're gonna do a whole episode having Brad back, uh, getting into the deep work that he's doing with breathwork. So I'm excited for that, Brad. And so uh, before we finish up here, we let everyone know how they can get in touch with you, uh, what your uh, website or any social media. How how do we get a hold of you? Yeah, my website is www.boundlesshypnotherapy.com, and my Instagram is the same. Um, I'm not great on social media, but (laughs) through my wife and some other friends and my own inspirations, we get stuff out there, and we try and provide some useful tools as well, Um, so little snippets of whether it be a breath practice or a, oh, watch your thoughts, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, my my email address and phone number are all on my website. And if anybody has any further questions or would like to inquire, be happy to talk to them. Awesome. Well, thanks, brother. We appreciate you being here. Thank and, you, guys. Uh, that's it. This We're out of fun. Here. Right all on. right. All right. Stay zesty. Bye.